We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. I don't care if you think I'm Satan reincarnated. The latest on an alleged plan to assassinate Donald Trump. This man grabbed by police at a packed rally in Las Vegas and ABC's Pierre Thomas has new details in Washington. Weighing up the mood of conservative America in a gun show in West Virginia. Among the rifle racks and ammunition, there's anger and dark talk of looming conflict. We are witnessing a radicalization of libertarians all across the country. Dear viewers, we have just received word that Libertarian Death Squad is taking over. We have come to take our country back. He also worries that civil war could be on the way back. Her son, 19-year-old Horace Lorenzo Anderson, was shot and killed inside the then cop-free zone that persisted for weeks on Capitol Hill. Over of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. It's taken just four weeks for that statement to be proved so spectacularly um, and alarmingly wrong. Reality, thousands of miles away, is now on him. China is urging its not to travel abroad it struggles to contain the virus. We will be standing up Christmas Island as a quarantine. Joe Brandon, I agree. Hey, by the way, China are you an now banned from entering the country. Christmas Island today declared that the coronavirus Name three things that don't hang themselves. That's what the American people think. Reparations 2003 with Chuck Taylor. If you're just joining us, black people got their reparations checks today, and in short, all hell is broken loose. In sports, the Philadelphia 76ers took on the New York Knicks. But since none of the black players showed up, Todd McCullough ended up playing one-on-one -on -one with Travis Knight. McCullough had 75 points, beating Knight by seven. After the game, McCullough said that he was hurt that none of the black players showed up, but upbeat because he, quote, Finally feels like he has a big penis. Welcome to the club, buddy. The Big Penis Club. Fortune Magazine released their annual list of the 100 wealthiest people today, and Bill Gates has been overtaken. By whom, you ask? A Harlem resident named simply Tron. Our Stephanie Gold is standing by with him now. So how did you become the world's wealthiest man, Tron? Hot hand in a dice game, baby girl. Six hours straight, talking about clackety, 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 clack. Now you're looking at the world's richest man, and I'm black. Kiss my black ass, America. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I think what everyone wants to know now is what are you going to do with all this money? 
Uh-uh, I'm going to reinvest my money into the community. Oh, that's a very nice gesture. What were you saying? <laughs> okay. Is that no, your son? No, no, I just bought this baby cash. No, straight up, though, I'm going to do the real thing and spend this money for y'all honkies. Change your minds. On that note, Chuck, we're going to send it back to you in the studio now. Hold up, Chuck. I got your girl. What do you say about a little lap dance for the world's richest man? Oh, well, if you put it that way, Chuck, back to you in the studio. Thank you, Stephanie. Another yeah. noob. Suck my <laughs> We, uh, we seem to have lost the feed. Anyhow, here with the weather is our old pal, reliable, friendly, portly, Big Al. Happy Reparations Day. Happy Juneteenth. <laughs> just kidding. Chuck, I don't know if you know this, but I just handed in my resignation here at New Center three hours ago. And I'll tell you something else you probably didn't know. And that is this. This is not my real speaking voice. Actually, Chuck, this is my real speaking voice. I talk like straight up gangster, bitch. My name ain't Big Al. It's Alton Sims. Okay. Now, Big Al, seriously, what's the forecast for the tri-state area? Oh, I don't know, Chuck. Why don't we take a look at my tri-state area map, which looks a lot like my big fat ass. Okay, here we have Connecticut. All the white folks drive down 95 and go straight into the Highland Tunnel. Uh-oh, look out. Here comes a big brown truck. Wait a minute, that ain't no truck. <laughs> my God, Big Al, it's disgusting. I'm paid. I'm paid, I'm paid in shame. Is that beatboxing? You old pasty bastard. Look at you, Chuck. You look sick, man. You look like you just walked up from ground zero. This job sucks. Kiss the rings, bitch. And there you have it. Excuse me. Incredible. I'm receiving word that Colin Powell has just bitch slapped Vice President Dick Cheney. White people, run for cover. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to Inside Four Walls. I'm your host, Old Yeller. Now, a little bit of housekeeping first. So, I've decided on Saturday and Sunday, possibly also Friday. I'm still debating the Friday thing. There's going to be a meme compilation going up at least on Saturday and Sunday at 5 p.m. For two reasons. One, I enjoy making the meme compilations. Uh, since I don't really fuck around on YouTube, I don't care about growing on YouTube. I can be a lot edgier with the memes I put in my content. So when I say offensive memes, if you actually watch, I can put some real spicy shit in there. So uh, meme compilations, actually offensive memes and whatnot, real you laugh, you lose type funniness will be on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, if the microphone sounds a little wonky, let me know in the comments below. Uh, been having some issues with some of my uh, some of my software. <sighs> Pardon me. I think I fixed it. Sounds okay on my end. My soundbar says everything's okay, but you know how it goes. Tech can look good on one end and fuck up on the other. So if it sounds wonky, let me know. I'd greatly appreciate it. That being said, California done KO'd itself economically speaking. California was a state that never had a single fucking slave in it. It was also an abolitionist state, even when it was just a territory. And now, it is guaranteed... Well, 
<laughs> it's guaranteeing millions to some people, thousands to some. It varies as a sliding scale, but it doesn't seem to include white slaves or Irish slaves. Maybe you're uh, one of the interesting folks out there that doesn't consider the Irish white. Uh, it is 2023. Times did change around the 1920s. You know, as well as other types of people that were, you know, forced into indentured servitude, slavery, so on and so forth. But, you know, it was only only the black man was put in chains, right? But not California. And California, economically speaking, is fucked. They're a, they're a state that's on the cusp of being the first state to ever go bankrupt. And then they did this. And what is this exactly? Fucking Sabuku on a state level. California Task Force's OKs. Reparations plan that could cost state $800 billion. Now, there's a chance that no one will receive a single payment. Or at least that's what some pundits are saying. I think California is goofy enough it might just do this, but something we reported on a long time ago on this show. I'll leave a link to this in the description below, but essentially what happened is... LA, uh, <clears throat> LA police, or LA County as a whole, voted to defund the police by about 75%. And, you know, I don't care how you feel about, you know, defund the police, back the blue. I'm personally not a fan of either side of it. I, I, I'm a big fan of disbanding police officers as long as you have the Second Amendment fully enshrined and uninfringed. Because you can't get rid of one without the other, and I don't trust the state's enforcement or pawns at this point. I've broken down why I don't trust police anymore into a, a much longer breakdown before, not really going into it here. But bottom line is if a city votes, if a city, state, county, whatever votes and says we no longer want police or want these police to have this budget of this amount of money, then that is what should be happening. However, L.A. said, fine, no more of your tax dollars will go into funding the police. So what they did is the city took people's pandemic funds, the UBI benefits or whatever the fuck, during the pandemic, and was giving it instead to LAPD and funding them multiple times more than what they were paid before people voted to fund them from money that was intended to go to people to help them survive the unconstitutional lockdowns of 2020. Uh, I had this in here. There's sources with it. So if you want, I'll leave a link to this in the description below if you want to know more about it. It's a 40-minute episode. Go into a few articles. Cross-reference some sources. It's been a long time. What's this? April 19th, 2022. Really? Only April 19th, 2022? Feels like this was a much longer time period ago. But okay, let's get back into this. This article is by Catherine Donlevy, May 7th, 2023. And the only reason I brought up this story about the LAPD is because they could easily just not pay people and divert this funding into some other government-type resource. California is the sketchiest... Most dubious rand state in the entire fucking country. And whoa. Hmm. Sorry, never mind. Anyway, I was actually thinking the other day 
that Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis are kind of mirrored, bizarro versions of each other, right? Because if Gavin Newsom geared up, uh, I speculate that if he geared up a 2024 presidential campaign, it would be seen as stepping on the foot of, uh, pardon me, <sighs> of Joe Brandon over there in the White House right now, allegedly. Um, I say allegedly because I think he's in... Uh, effectively the nursing home, right? That's his Delaware residence. That's where he is like 80% of the fucking time, it seems. Anyway. Right? And it's kind of the same way if it, like Ron DeSantis was to run, uh, a lot of people would see that as stepping on Donald Trump. And a lot of people like me think that would be a suicide thing. Because if Ron DeSantis ran for president in 2024, 2024, he would probably destroy his political career. He should stay in California and run in 2028. And a lot of people probably feel that. I don't have any particular problem with... with I, have a, I actually... Scratch that. I have a few problems with Ron DeSantis. Uh, I'm not as tripped up about the him not defending... This is so off topic. Anyway, I'm not a, you know, I think it was kind of weak when it came to talking about the indictment of Trump, but ultimately, what was going to really come of that anyway? But signing that ADL bill about, like, Jewish hate speech, mmm, man. Man, that's a big shot in the foot. I don't believe in hate speech laws of any kind. I, I, I think it's bullshit. I also don't believe in hate crimes of any kind. Crimes are crimes. Speech is speech. It's pretty straightforward. Let me know what you think in the comments below. Let's get in... Anyway, I was just thinking, like, man, if, if Ron DeSantis and, and uh, Gavin Newsom got a chance to sit up there on the debate stage and duke it out with each other, I would watch that debate. Lockdown, like, they were so polar opposites, like, on every single policy and cause. Like, LGBTQ issues, opposites. Lockdown, opposites. Everything. Like, to the T. They're even, like, the same age... Love it. Let's get into this article, shall we? California's Reparations Task Force, Task Force voted in favor of multiple recommendations Saturday. That could cut a minimum of 360000 uh, in checks to its eligible black residents. The nine-member committee gave final approval at the meeting in Oklahoma to a hefty list of proposals aimed at uh, rectifying racial inequalities across the state, but it was never a slave state. This makes no fucking sense. It's just virtue signaling from a state that can't afford it. Uh, sorry about the chair being squeaky. Quote, Reparations are not only morally justifiable. No, they're not. There is no moral just justification for this. You're going to make a bunch of people that never owned slaves pay for the sins of predecessors? A... That's even if that applied. It doesn't apply to California in any fucking way whatsoever. And even going on that, what about all the black people that are actually descendants from slaves whose taxes are being stolen to give this money out to a bunch of different people? Sure, they're getting cut of it, but it's still their money being taken from it. And where all where all, where is this money all coming from other than, than the Federal Reserve? Like, this is a hefty fucking payment here, right? And this is, you know, California's really, really, really the fucking Petri dish for all the worst of the liberal policies. You look at it, you look how it's run, and it's horrific. New York being a close fucking second. Well, actually, no. Uh, all of California, and then Chicago is number two, and then New York as a whole state is number three, with the city specifically, of uh, New York City, being a number four for just testing grounds for what this ideology in power would fucking bring. 
And holy shit, morally justifiable. I demand you give me your money for for the pain that someone I never met, never knew, and most likely was never related to went through. You white demon. Excuse me, Senor Pedro. I'm not white. Why am I paying this? That's the thing. Everyone's paying into this. Black, white, Hispanic. It's a universal tax on people in California. They're already taxed out the ass. But if, you were, if you're still living there, you ask for this every day. You vote for this. I understand the counter-argument of like, well, if people move out of these states, it's balkanization. Okay. Oh, well. These states are failing. There's not enough people there. They go bankrupt. They fucking belly flop. Let them. Good fucking riddance. I mean, there's still going to be a state, but let's see what happens. Let's see what it looks like when all these policies cause a state to collapse. I kind of want to see it. Of all the states, don't you want to see the fucking rapture happen in California? I don't mean biblically, but I just mean policy-wise. I want to see all their policies look them dead in the fucking face and start laughing. Because what's going to happen? Gavin Newsom was the first uh, governor of California to ever have a recall election. And this is something we talked about. They b- looked this up too. They busted multiple crackheads with backpacks full of ballots marked for Gavin Newsom all across California. They got they busted them. They were arrested. And at least those are the ones who got caught. And they were caught largely in red states. I tried to find my episode about it, but it was just so buried. Uh, I'll leave a link to these three articles if you want to know more specifically about that story. Uh, this one, Confessions of Voter Fraud, I was mastering a fixin' mail-in ballots. Uh, master at fixing mail-in ballots. This is, uh, Top Democratic. Uh, this is with the California race, uh, midterm elections. Well, the recall elections specifically. We have a Newsom. 300, uh, ballots, uh, recall ballots found in a car. And another 300 found on a man, a homeless guy was passed out, the one I specifically was referencing. Now, there's a lot of other examples of people being stopped with just a bunch of ballots all marked for uh, for Gavin Newsom and a couple other really questionable outcomes like that, as well as a few of them had, like, completely duplicated Kanye West votes. So... That's worth looking into. I'll leave links to that. And if I can find it in my episode about that topic, let's get back into this. Uh, standing. Uh, let's see. But they have the potential to, ad- uh, to address longstanding racial disparities and inequalities, Rep. Barbara Lee, a Democrat from California, said during the meeting. The panel's first vote approved a detailed account of historic discrimination against black Californians in the area, such as voting, housing, education, uh, uh, disproportionate policing, and incarceration, and others. Well, fine, if you can prove all those before, but again, you shouldn't punish people in counties. There's tons of counties that that are, I'm sure, treating the, the colored folk just as good as the white folk and all that nonsense, right? Like, come on, homie. I don't get the blanket taxation of it. Sure, if you can find these little examples of it, sure. But uh, go after that specific area. Oh, you can prove the police department had uh, 
had had targeted practices. You know, there's tons of police departments all across the country that have targeted practices. Some against white people, black people, Hispanic, Asian, Latinos. It all depends, and, and things like sweeps and qualified immunities need to be completely stripped away. You shouldn't have sweeps, which incentivize cops to meet a certain quota by the end of the month. Because <clears throat> you tell them to meet a quota, they're going to start looking for crime and making crime. That's where you get cops who are on the record saying things such as, and I quote, you show me the man, I'll show you the crime. On the other side of that, you have qualified immunity, where if a cop kills somebody or is part of a crime or whatever they're basically immune to any lawsuit and only the state itself can be sued. Strip that away. Allow the, allow the precinct itself to get sued. Furthermore, if you find it, sue the government. Go after the government. Now, I know it's tax dollars as a whole, but it doesn't set laws and precedents that renewally steals funds from people. There is no justification for any of this. Even if you prove it, I can offer you a, 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 a solution, apparently, that will go in the way without harming or stealing the income from your fellow suffering Californians. And not just that, Californians of color, as I'm sure these uh, allies would love to say. The panel's first vote approved a detailed account of historical discrimination. I'm like, read that. And as for the incarceration thing... The group recommended that the state create a new agency that could provide services to dissidents of enslaved people to calculate what the state owes them. Now, I will say, I did just crack a joke about, you know, a certain group of people statistically, uh, uh, look, I'm going to peek around the bush here. Statistically speaking, black people commit more crime. At least that's what on the book verdicts would show you. And we're going off that. Now, let me ask you something. These same black Democrats voted for somebody like Kamala. Kamala Harris, the same woman who enforced Joe Biden's 94 crime law in California during the war on drugs. Mind you, the war on drugs was the most vicious in California. You had raid swats doing no-knock warrant, just bust down, gun-drawn shootouts in people's houses to confiscate bags of weed. I don't think federal federal drug law should exist. Drugs are a Tenth Amendment situation and should be on a state-by-state basis. But Kamala Harris, while, at least according to her, was enjoying smoking marijuana, was locking up black fathers and, you know, thousands of other individuals by the payload for selling weed just to enforce the 94 crime bill. I'm just kind of asking you here, like, is there a consistency to any of this? Like, oh, well, you know, black people are overly arrested. Okay, well, you live in a, in a state that's been consistently democratic since, the er, since like, the late, nine, late 80s in counties and cities which have been dark blue for longer or similar time periods. So why don't you look at the politicians and the people you're voting for and the elections and the situations which are leading to these people being elected Instead of sitting here pointing at your fellow citizen who's also suffering these terrible economic policies and saying, Hey, you, pay me, fucker. Why? You've never picked cotton. You've never been whipped. You've never been forced to do any of the, the man's work. At least not more than your white, Hispanic, whatever counterpart that you might need. That's just an absolutely fucking preposterous level of socialism. I'm just sick of seeing it. But let it stay in California. Let it fucking destroy that dump. 
The group recommended that the state create a new agency that could provide services to descendants of enslaved people to calculate what the state owes them. Though, the task force didn't specify what compensation would look like. It approved a section of the draft uh, of the draft report stating reparations should include cash or its equivalent. So what's that? Money or three lambs and a, uh, three lambs and a couple acres? Like what? Was it a lamb three acres? Is that how it goes? Earlier iterations of the reparations package suggested paying out 300, 360000 to each el- eligible black Californian. But now that you made it just the, the, the documents being people who were descendants of slaves, you got white Irish people, you got some Jews. Uh, hell, fucking under FDR, man, you had Japanese people arrested and technically enslaved because they were forced to do hard labor with no compensation or pay of any kind. So, I mean, that's enslaved. That's slavery right there. That's kind of recent. Fuck, I mean, World War II was in my grandma's lifetime. Well, I mean, RIP and whatnot, but still. It's kind of funny. I'm using that as an example when my grandma was on a fucking Navy battleship and put a couple happy jappies six feet under. Mm, well... Uh, the irony is not lost upon me, but the point stands. You've made it such a broad spectrum, and it shouldn't exist in the first place, because even with it just being the black Californians of, 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 of uh, you know, slave descendants, whatever the fuck, what about the uh, people who are descendants of black slave owners? What happens to them? Do they get paid out? Do they get charged more? Both? There's a lot of questions that go into this that just aren't getting answered because this is an emotional policy, not a logical one, clearly, and not an economical one. I'm over here chuckling in Rothbardian economics. Some economists estimate that the project could cost the state upwards of $800 billion, more than 2.5 times its annual budget. God damn. The final figure is yet to be determined. That would uh, that state would calculate the total per individual based on numerous factors, including whether they or a family member was incarcerated, whether they faced housing discrimination, or other pre or, or uh, prejudicial factors. Prejudicial factors. The amount of Black Californians who qualify for these reparations is not yet known. Uh, on surface, fucking none. At least not the ones who are native to California. Then again, hey, if I'm just saying right now, if you are descendant of slaves, this might be one reason to move to California. I don't care. You know, if you're white, fucking try it, man. If you got, if you can trace it down, maybe one of your ancestors knocked up a a a, a slave hand or some shit, and she got pregnant and had a kid, and they. Raise that or whatever the fuck. I'm just saying, like, maybe you can find some way to cash in on this. Just play the system at this point. Fuck it. Go play the system. Am I telling you to commit crimes? No, not at all. I'm just saying, uh, system. If you can, it, 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 you know, be the man who enters the woman's sport just to get that bag, bro. Honestly, at this point. It's a clown world. As much as I can sit here and, and, and give you advice and, you know, re- remedies for the situation. I mean, I've been doing this since the middle of 2018. At this point, I mean, like... At some point, it's like, you know, just fuck it. Play the goddamn game. You know what I mean? At least if you're going to do it, be white, be Jewish, be ginger. Find slaves in your heritage in this country. And just be as goofy with it as fucking possible. Providing we see what the fucking parameters of this is. 
The initial eligible applicants must be descendants of enslaved or free black people who were in the country by the end of the 19th century. Again, if you're white and you meet this criteria, by all fucking means, get in on this. Fuck it. Get the payday and fucking bounce. There is also no word on how the payments would be funded in the cash-strapped state. They're on the cusp of bankruptcy as fucking is. The document will now be sent to state lawmakers who will consider reparation legislation. Oh my giddy Jesus. This is fucking nominal. Now let's hop over here to the last article for this. We've got the post-millennial payouts of up to $1.2 million for every black resident approved by California Reparations Panel. The fucking mad lads. This is retarded. <laughs> May 8th. Ah, oh, goddamn. In total, a black California... Uh, a black Californian around the age of 71 that has lived in the state for their entire life could receive up to $1.2 million. What is money? With inflation rates, the printers going burr, the fucking, the fucking hideous Cthulhuian creature from Jekyll Island, this goofy American psycho-looking Patrick Bateman fuck here. He's literally not me, guys. I watched the movie. He's literally not me. And now this policy, this state is going to fucking sink. And I'm here for it. Oh, what's that? Jabe, you shouldn't be rooting for this. I'm fucking, look, my parameters are this. If I can't have a country and a government ran for and by the Constitution, then I'm not going to respect that government. I go anarchist, anarcho-capitalist all fucking day on this topic, bitch. That's where I'm at. So let them do their policies. Let them set the laws. Let them destroy their fucking state. The best part about this, Gavin Newsom's ex-wife, look into her. She is like the most red-pilled babe imaginable. Just out there decimating him. And the best part is, his ex-wife, you know what she's getting? She's getting, uh, she's getting trumped every fucking night, bro. That's right, she married into the Trump family right after she got out of this guy's life. And he has never recovered about it. You can find clips of him talking about his ex-wife. I can find one, or if I remember to, I'll throw it in the end of this episode. He's like Hillary Clinton talking about the 2016 election when he talks about his ex-wife. It is such a fucking gash on his pride. I love it. Ah, article is by Hannah Nightingale. On Saturday... The California Reparations Task Force voted on a final set of recommendations to send to the state's legislature formally, recommend, formally recommending that the state pays up to $1.2 million for every qualifying black resident. During Oh, this is insane! During the task force's public meeting in Oakland, the nine-member panel called on the state to give residents a formal apology as well as payments, according to Fox News. California entered the Union as a free state, and slavery was never legal under state law. Quote, reparations are not only morally, justif are morally justifiable, but... Uh, reparations are not only morally justifiable, but they have the potential to address long-standing racial disparities and inequalities said Rep Representative Barbara Lee after attending. Mmm. Diversity, inequality, equity, the die cult. Payments received by black residents 
would be broken down into types of historical discrimination with black residents affected by bank uh, redlining. Yeah, thanks Obama and predatory uh, home loaning and bank loans. Oh, and predatory mortgaging. Uh, redlining, for example, receiving $3,366 for each year they lived in California between the early 1930s and the late 1970s, adding up, wow, to $148,009. I, I personally, I'd, I'd like round that down or round that up. You know, that $9 is a little awkward. It reminds me of a joke I just heard the other day. For those living in California between 1970 and 2020 that are affected by over-policing and mass incarceration, black residents would receive roughly $2,352 each year they lived in the state, amounting upward to $115,260. That is absolutely fucking insane, dude. The panel does not have any legal weight, and the Saturday vote included only recommendations for the state legislator. However, Governor Gavin Newsom has backed the concept of reparations in the state. He formed the reparations panel in 2021, and he ran on this. He promised this. This was his Hail Mary to get elected. In the 11th hour, he went on this interview. Again, I'll leave a link to my, my coverage of the interview, where he said, oh, I'll get you reparations. I'll give you money. Please. He was doing the same thing Donald Trump was. Oh, fucking be mad. But let's face it, Donald Trump on his way out the uh, what was it, like November 20th, he had promised you, I'll give you a new stimulus check. Okay, I'll print more money and give it to you. Look, I like the guy, but I'm not blind to the bullshit here. I'm not going to sit here and act like the man doesn't have a ton of fucking retarded policies. But Trump was giving you promising to give people more money too. Now it wasn't like an annual reoccurring fucking payment. Sure. But still. Trump was like. I could give you a third stimulus. Even more money. Than whatever Joe Biden will promise you. Let's just see what Joe Biden promises you. Uh, I promise you more. Blah, 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 blah. Fact check me on this. He fucking did it. It was pathetic. If you have to pander and, 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 and buy votes. You don't deserve to be in the position. Quote, quote, California is leading the nation in a bipartisan way on the issue of reparations and and racial justice. I cannot imagine what a Republican from California must look like. Well, actually, Kevin McCarthy is. And after they broke him uh, by cucking him on the speakership about five days in a row through the duration of about 12 12 to 13 votes, he started performing pretty well, actually. Anyway, uh, and racial justice, which is a discussion that is long overdue and deserves our utmost attention, said Governor Newsom at the time. Quote, last year, I signed into law, I signed into law a number of key bills focused on leveling the playing field in our society and ensuring that everyone has a fair shot at achieving the California dream. Today's appointment of individuals with an expansive breadth of knowledge, experience, and understanding of the issues impacting the African-American community is the next step in our commitment to the state to build a California for all. The cost of reparations for the state, should they choose to enact the plan, could be in excess of $800 billion. Some black residents who attended Saturday's meeting demanded larger payments, including Reverend Tony Pierce. 
my god, I bet he's Catholic asking for all this money. Who made reference to the 40 acres and a mule promise. I fucking knew that was coming. Made to former slaves when he took the podium. Quote, <laughs> You know that the number should be equivocal to what an acre was back then. So we're talking about, like, was this fieldflation, yardflation, muleflation, perhaps? We were given 40. Okay. And we're given 40 acres. You know what that number is? Uh, yeah, 40. That's two 20s, uh, four 10s. You know, I can go on all day with the breakdown, buddy. Uh, one set of four, a few times, one, you know, 40 times one, you get 40. So just, I'm just trying to help you out here, homie. Help you figure it out. I know y'all be thinking two plus two equals five, but you're wrong. Maybe I'm a bigot, but hey, whatever you say I am, right? I'll wear it well. You know what that number is? You keep trying to talk about it now, and yet you research back to slavery. <laughs> and you say nothing about slavery. Nothing. Well, you just said nothing about it while talking about it. So, I I, I, I mean, it's kind of, you live in a democratic state, and you're complaining about politicians going talking a lot about something and saying nothing about it at all. I mean, uh, it's par for the fucking course, my dude. Said Pierce, quote, So the equivocal number from the 1960s for 40 acres today is 200 million for each and every African American. And uh, the amount of fentanyl they'll buy with it will be stunning. It might fuck up the cartel's influx rate. I mean, the, the, the demand might outdo the supply, and that's always bad for the economy. During the meeting, Task Force Chair. Uh, Cam uh, Camilla Moore, Kamala Moore, Camilla Moore, mm. had to call for security to remove multiple people, to re remove people multiple times after attendees argued and spoke out of turn. The draft recommends a recommendation noted that when California entered the union as a free state, so it, it oh my God, the reparation bill even says it was a free state with no slaves. Da, 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 da. This is a fucking joke. Why do you guys... Well, I have a small Californian audience. Why are you there? Why are you still there? If you're listening to my show, you clearly don't love it there. Is it family? Is the job good? Is this not a big problem where you live? What makes you stay? I have a tiny LA audience according to what used to be... Uh, what used to be uh, Anchor. Now it's podcast for Spotify. Anyway, moving on. Draft recommended enter this union as a free state in 1850. It did not pass laws to guarantee freedom to its black residents. The recommendation noted that for a decade after emancipation, the state allowed enforcement of Fugitive Slave Act, which allowed the capture and uh, the capture and return of runaway slaves. So again, shouldn't you be going after the states where the slaves came from using your, your logic here and not the states themselves? <sighs> Whatever. We, we, we have a video here to watch. Well, in a story out of the Daily Mail, it seems that California has decided to take their step in what they call criminal reform, another move forward. And so for years, the state of California has decided to not take crime seriously anymore to not seriously sentence anyone, if someone's sentenced to death, 
then they're not actually going to carry out the sentence. They're not going to do anything, essentially, uh, to punish crime. But here's what's amazing. And by the way, of course, um, we've already gotten, so Compact Mag, Benji Sarlin, did a huge response to myself and Matt Walsh from Daily Wire when we came out in support of flogging. If you remember the special that we did on Sunday, we were talking all about, well, Singapore does well because they use corporal punishment on their prisoners, and this actually has the ability of setting society right. That's the point of punishing crime. The point of punishing crime is not necessarily to go around being the moral police. It's obviously a moral act, but let me explain. The reason that society punishes crime is because it is in the best interest of society to correct itself and to deal with the criminal element to correct this behavior. That it's not necessarily sitting there saying, we're going to make you a model citizen. It's to let you know that there are what we in the military would call left-right limits. There are left-right limits to your behavior. There are left-right limits to what we'll allow in public society. And crime is obviously one that we will not allow this. We should not. And, and by the way, I'm not talking about the state of things today. I'm talking about how it should be. This is why crime is punished. Why, why would we punish crime? Why not just let you know people do whatever they want? Because you cannot have an ordered society without the maintenance of that order. And it is an ordered society that then is able to produce airports like you would see at Changmi in Singapore. That's the entire point of all of this. And of course, you know, Benji in, in Compact, where I, you know, I appreciate his, his take, but he said, well, you know, they're just investing more. We don't invest more. No, but but it, it's you have to put the pieces together, is, my, is what I'm saying. You have to actually put it together. But what's California doing? Because California, we know, has funded billions and billions of dollars in their infrastructure for their trains that don't exist, their high-speed rails that don't exist, things that Gavin Newsom said for years would happen, but now they won't. So what's Gavin Newsom's people doing now? California's controversial reparations panel is pushing the state legislature to close 10 prisons in addition to ensuring current inmates also receive, I love this, this is like Gavin Newsom's boys, this is their next thing, ensuring that current inmates receive fair wages and be eligible to vote. This is from the Daily Mail. It was earlier reported that the panel was seeking to pass laws creating a wealth tax, mansion tax, and or property tax in order to fund the billion-dollar reparations. The purported figure is being mentioned per person at $223,000. And I want to just remind you that if we get to a point in this country where $223,000 checks are passed out to one group of people and not other groups of people, that is the, that is the day our country will, will be lost because you will create so much resentment That's and awesome. so much anger in this country that I don't think you'll be able to put the pieces back together. You will shatter this nation. You will absolutely shatter this nation. I'm not even arguing whether, oh, well, should we do rap? What about, I'm just telling you like it is, that if the government walks up and starts doing this, that you will drive people absolutely insane. But let's go through and, and read some more about this because apparently uh, these are the same prisons that, that house some of the most notorious prisoners in the entire country, including serial killers, lifelong gang members, right? The Latin Kings, MS-13, they're in the Crips, the Bloods. It's California we're talking about. But what I wanted to get into, and in fact, and let me look in this article here. Um, there, okay, so it doesn't say exactly. Oh, look at this. The report also recommends developing safe spaces for prisoners. Oh, safe spaces. That's so nice. So you, you understand what's going on here as well. What they're doing, what they're doing is trying to pave the way for Gavin Newsom again, because as we know, as we know, Gavin Newsom wants to be the president of the United States. All right.
Not completely off take. Not to mention, remember, they want to do a vaccine roll on California that was race-based as well. So this isn't the first time California's dabbled in this kind of nonsense. With that being said, I'm going to wrap this episode up here. I've been... Uh, this has been Inside Four Walls. I've been your host, James Madison, and I will talk to you guys later and very, very soon. Reparations. Oh. I knew you'd like this one. <laughs> New York Times columnist David Brooks in a column last month entitled The Case for Reparations. Quote, We are at a moment of make-or-break racial reckoning. We are a nation coming apart at the seams, a nation in which each tribe has its own narrative, and the narratives are generally resentment narratives. The need now is to consolidate all the different narratives and make them reconciliation and possibility narratives. Reparations are a drastic policy and hard to execute. But the very act of talking about and designing them, reparations policies, heals a wound. Oh, it's one of many reasons I don't read David Brooks, but go ahead. Heals a wound and, and opens a new story, close quote. You, you can imagine somebody whose parents, great-grandparents, came here in the 18, 1880s after the Civil War being asked to give reparations to people. Yeah. Uh, even in the even in the antebellum South, most whites did not have slaves. The cost of one male adult slave was more than the average white person earned all year. So they weren't all living in terror with the, with, with their plantations and all the rest right. of it. Uh, it's insane. The other thing I, I have a slight um, sidebar in there on the history of slavery. Mm -hmm. The history of slavery slavery existed all over the world for thousands of years among all sorts of people as far back as the history of the human species goes. It's one of many evils that the left tries to localize when, when in fact it is, a, it is a universal evil. So is this too strong a statement that it is what is distinctive about the United States is not that it countenanced slavery in the 18th and 19th centuries, but that it has taken such efforts to overcome the legacy of slavery since. Is no, that fair? A, no, that's, that's part of it. But more than that, as much as slavery is repudiated around the world today, prior to the 18th century, I know of no serious effort to abolish the institution anywhere. 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 Not in Africa, not in, not oh, in the Arabian Not world. in Africa in the 21st century. Mm. Uh, Adam Smith wrote, in 1776, that the only place in the world where slavery had been abolished completely was Western Europe. Uh, and so this was... As late as, as, late as, the, as late as the year this country was founded. Yes. And so the idea that this is something that the United States had that nobody else had or, or the other, other countries that didn't have, uh, it's been estimated that there are more slaves in India than in the entire Western Hemisphere. And that's quite, uh, and that's before and after Columbus uh, got here. Right. Hey, welcome back to Inside Four Walls. We have an update on the Nashville school shooting. And as I said before in past episodes, I'm not going to say the name or respect pronouns. I don't respect pronouns to begin with anyway, but, you know, the shooter, various aliases will be used when referring to this person. But this is an update with the manifesto. We have two articles to get into. This one is from 
May 5th, and the other one is actually like just came out. So we have an update. Let's go. Let's start here. Nashville officials say they will release shooter Audrey Hale's manifesto. Fuck. Right off the bat, I fucked up. Oh, well. Then quickly back down by Stephanie Pagones. Pagones? Okay. May 5th. And it was updated. Let's see. Hey. I hear we hear, we think we hear gunshots. Think you hear gunshots. Okay. Are you in a safe spot right now? We're getting a lot of help started, okay? Um, we've had two other callers saying this as well. Um, so what, are you hearing gunshots now? No. Okay. We're in the art room closet. Okay. Okay. Jeff, I hear another shot. You did? I'm hearing more shots. Okay. okay. We're upstairs by the art room hallway. Hmm. Harrowing audio. The release of the Covenant School shooter Tranny's manifesto has been delayed yet again as Metro Nashville Police Department officials claim their attorneys told them hold off amid a pair of lawsuits. Pussies. The decision, and, and just wait till we get into a, a third lawsuit. The decision came just days after MNPD and Tennessee Governor Bill Lee said the materials would soon see the light of day. Police cited their attorney's advice and blamed recent litigations for change. Huh. Bemusing the lawyer behind one of the, lo- one of the two lawsuits filed demanding the information be released. Quote, It is an interesting turn of events, lawyer John Harris told the Post. Quote, If there was some plan to release some information, why is that information being released? Well, from what little we have, and again, what we have is all speculation based off of what has been supposedly released or leaked. And it's nothing, like, official. It's just, like, uh, police off the record and without their identities being revealed, you know, the anonymous source type information saying, yeah, this manifesto was an anti-Christian, you know, like a declaration of trans war and Christians, blah, 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 blah. You know, like, but that's all hearsay. That's why I reported on it the one time fucking two weeks ago. And I made it clear a million times, like, this is all from an unconfirmed source. Now, I don't fucking doubt it, given the situations. Plus, you know, the shooter was a previous student, possibly uh, some... Uh, a good friend of hers came forth. I'll leave links to past informations. Uh, some speculation involves the idea that there was some unrequited feelings at the school that also could have pushed Audrey Hale over it. Damn, I did it again. Anyway, whatever. There's a lot of speculations going around here, but that's the issue. It's speculation. It's been over a month, and we don't have a manifesto. But that hasn't stopped either side, left and right media coverage, from asserting all kinds of things as facts. Now here, well, I try not to do that. Police cited their other attorney's advice. Information released. Harris is representing former Tennessee area sheriff James Hammond and Tennessee Firearms Association 
incorporated in the lawsuit. What if, like, there's, uh, I, I mean, what if, right? I'm, I'm asking it as if there's not, like, a high chance. You know, there's a pretty solid possibility that this isn't a necessarily a local police decision, but moreover a, like, uh, a governor position. Like, maybe the governor is weighing in on here, pulling some strings, manipulating something. It's just a speculation. He said his client's public record requests seeking access to the documents were denied, citing the ongoing investigation. The rejection came at the time when Lee cited the Covenant's shooting in pushing for new gun control packages, which would include background checks on mental health. Well, there's always some like level of uh, glowy involved in this kind of kind of nonsense. You know, this person's always on the FBI's watch or radar. Quote: If this Covenant shooting incident is the basis on which, pardon me, <laughs> is the basis on which this call by the governor is going out, they're interested. It's interested to know. He said, "Quote: Was it really a mental health issue?" Was it just outright terrorist activity? Was there some uh, private vendetta? All the above. All absolutely all the above. Again, uh, the, the the idea of, of transgenderism is a myth and is not real. However, the people who experience these uh, these uh, whatever you would call them these machinations, their mental illness and its potential effects on society are, however, very real. Now, this person seemed kind of fucked from the get-go. Based on like what I've gotten from reading and covering the story, it seems like this person in 2016 went down the very like SJW rabbit hole of politics, and that consumed her life. And you throw on just like a, a, a very strenuous, strenuous relationship with uh, the family back home. Yeah. It seemed like the Covenant School, the uh, the shooter was sent there as like a, a, a hope that maybe this environment, the setting, could do something to help them out, and it, and it just escalated everything. So, but that again, that's all just based on what I've read and what I put together based on what I've read. Do I know for certain? Absolutely not. No one knows for certain, and it's ridiculous that we don't. We should have the manifesto by now. There's no reason we don't. Harris further urged, uh, argued the MNPD's latest decision to withhold the manifesto goes against the state statute that makes records available for public, uh, to the public, presumably. Oh. Quote, The answers that Metro has given so far is that there's an ongoing criminal investigation which, looking at the facts and other statements that they've made, one might question, knowing that the only person that can be identified in the criminal activity has been deceased for a month over a month. The shooter's alleged manifesto was found in the uh, transgendered shooter's home after March 27th attack. After the March 27th attack, which took the lives of three school staffers and nine-year-old students, and three nine-year-old students. Students Evelyn Dickhouse, Haley Scrugg, and William Kinney were killed, as well as school janitor Mike Hill. You never kill the janitor. Janitors are always the coolest people. I don't know, maybe you have a different experience, but 
every school I ever went to and every job I've ever had, the people I've gotten on the best with were always the janitors. So it's just like, why? You know, why any of this? But the janitor? The fuck? Substitute teacher uh, Cynthia Peak and headmistress Catherine Conch. Kuntz. My apologies. Who reportedly ran towards the towards the shooter trying to protect the school. Absolute heroes. Governor Bill Lee. Absolute vapid pussy. The Covenant, sh- Covenant shooting was a tragedy beyond comprehension, and the Tennesseans need clarity. So release a manifesto. We've been in touch with the National Police Department, and, today's ch- and today, Chief Drake assured me that documents and information regarding the shooter will be, uh, will be released very soon. All right, all right. Never mind. Maybe, maybe, uh... From what I was reading, it seems like uh, it seemed like in the context of the article earlier, the governor was not on board with the documents being released. All right. Well. Anyway, Charles Bandit, a former prosecutor and chief deputy attorney general for Delaware, has authorized several books, including most recently, quote, "Suppressing the Truth in Dallas Conspiracy Cover-Up," and, quote, "International Complications." In the JFK assassination case, he said he was not surprised by law enforcement's flip-flop regarding the Covenant documents. Quote, for whatever reason, people in possession of documents go overboard, he said. Uh, Brandt added that the documents, quote, should totally be out there. It's criminal that they're not out there. The desire to do the right thing, although it's what the police are claiming they're doing, he went on, quote, they're actually doing the wrong thing. Yeah, there's no reason why this shouldn't be out there by now. Now let's hop over here. Daily Mail with the, with the uh, last article for this upload. National Police Association, NPA, sues to make trans Nashville shooter... The shooter's manifesto public days after cops said they were pausing plans to release it due to pending litigation. Now, this is an interesting lawsuit. They were scared of two lawsuits, according to them. Now, this third lawsuit is a real big fucking push. Let's get into the points of it. The National Police Association filed a suit on April 26th to release the trannies' penned manifesto. Calls for release of Hale's manuscript has grown since Hale, fuck, 28, open-fired, killing three children and three adults at the Covenant School in Nashville. On Friday, the NPA filed an amendment, an amended complaint, blasting the absurd decision to withhold the manifesto once more because of pending litigation by Ruth Bashinsky for the Daily Mail. The National Police Association has filed a lawsuit in a bid to make Trans and Nashville Shooter the Shooter's Manifesto public. The manifesto has remained shrouded in secrecy since the March 27th massacre at the Covenant Christian Academy that killed three children and three school workers, with the gunwoman based also shot dead by cops. But on April 28th, NPA head Ed Hutchinson and Tennessee investigator Clarta Renee, hmm, Clarta Renee Brewer filed the lawsuit with Metropolitan Government of with the Metropolitan Government of Nashville and Davison County. They subsequently issued an amendment complaint on Friday, blasting the absurd decision to withhold the manifesto once more because of pending litigation. Calls for its release has grown. 
I'm back. Cosford's release has grown in the last weeks. Uh, sorry, Cosford's release has grown. Shouldn't say have grown, not has grown, have grown. In the last few weeks, that saw another mass shooting in the uh, in the nation. 192 mass sh 192 mass shootings so far this year and 647 mass shootings in 2022 according to the gun violence archive as for the new york times the tennessee firearms uh, association also filed an administrative appeal for materials the usa today network reported yeah well here's the thing right how many of these uh, how many of these shootings are in blue areas where there's more uh, comparatively, at least, more gun control and gun laws and regulations. Because if that's the case, and I'm assuming it is based on, you know, just patterns that seem to pop up in the wild, apparently, uh, it seems like gun control really is helping, right? Because criminals totally won't get firearms because it's against the law. Criminals really care about following the law. Moving on. Get pictures here. The Metro Nashville Police Department uh, officials claim the release has been paused because their attorneys told them to hold off for, from any release while the suit was making its way through the courts. The pause came just days after the MNPD and Tennessee governor announced that uh, the shooter's writings would be released for the public consumption. How much do you want to bet that they're going to release it as we edited the fuck? The MNPD police who sought their legal counsel, blamed the recent litigation for the change, according to the New York Post. Attorney John Harris, who is representing former Tennessee Sheriff James Hammond, <gasps> oh, sorry, and the Tennessee Firearms Association in the lawsuit told the news outlet that it was, quote, an interesting turn of events. Quote, if there was some plan to release some information, why is the information be released on April 27th? Tennessee Governor Bill Lee reassured the public in a tweet that Nashville authorities would be releasing Hale's writings in a document. No details on the manifesto have been released, and the motive for the shooting uh, for the shooting remains unclear. And the closure for these parents remains permanently out of grasp. And they couldn't even get the essence of closure until these documents come out. I mean, is there really any form of closure that these parents can get? Because no parent should bury their fucking child. But at the same time, they deserve to at least know why this twisted fuck did what they did. These parents have the right to know. On Friday, the National Police Association (NPA) announced the filing of an amend uh, of the amended and supplemental complaint in conjunction with its Tennessee investigator. Uh, Clara Renee Brewer against the government governments of Nashville and Davidson County for their new refusal to act on a request for records. The Freedom of Information Act, or FOIA, asked for all writings by the shooter to include a manifesto recovered by the Metropolitan Nashville Police Department, MNPD, relating to the March 27th mass shooting. The FOIA also requested all records, including emails, texts, and other communications to and from the MNPD uh, mentioning or regarding the writings of, you know, the tranny, recovered by MNPD. Quote, it has been more than a month since the shooter was killed and the officers involved have been praised for their actions in the incident. 
Doug Pierce, a lawyer for the NPA, said, according to the news release, quote, Accordingly, there is no criminal case, and there is no reasonable likelihood of, the, of there ever being a criminal case arising from this incident. The Metro Nashville Police... Uh, I doubt it. Depending on what's in the article and why they withheld it, I think there, there could easily be some lawsuits. And at least some... Some... Uh, I could see some people in the House of Representatives at least trying to look into this. Firing some, filing up some subpoenas. So I wouldn't say never. The Metro uh, National Police Department has sought to rely upon the rule of criminal procedure to deny public access. Okay, sketchy. But those rules only relate to a criminal proceeding, Pierce added. Therefore, the rules of a criminal procedure do not provide an excuse to deny the public access to the records related to this incident. Since MNPD now seems to acknowledge that there is no criminal investigation, there is no remaining excuses for why they have not complied with our request. It's always these type, right? They always look like this. Uh. Okay, so this is security camera footage from the day. Heads up, you you know, not safe for life, right? Grab that little shitty EVs. That little fucking Prius. Of course. You know when Priuses drive by you, they make a sound, they go, Fiag! And they're really fucking, they go, Gay! Man, just gotta find the perfect fucking parking space, right? Remember the shoes thing, right? We never got an answer to the shoes thing. I'm still kinda curious about it. Okay, there goes the uh, windows. Through the front door. Dramatic ass. Can I just take a second here? You know this was a woman for this reason. Look. Instead of just reaching in and, you know, opening the door from the inside. This goofy, this goofy skank had to climb in through the whole door. If you had the real testosterone brain, you ditzy dame, you would have just opened the door from the inside if it was locked. You wouldn't have crawled through all that broken glass. Sheesh. You could have just unlocked the door from the inside instead of crawling through all that shit. But nah, get, get glass all down your fucking shirt collar. Why not? Dumb fuck. Oop, wrong way. Can't wait to see the Bud Light can with this person on it, actually. That'd be kind of exciting. Really do, really do numbers for him. Oh, got some flashes. Oh, there are gunshots going off right now. There is no audio of any kind whatsoever. 
Now alarms are going off in school. Fucking Meg Griffin. Bear in mind, the shooter knows the layout of this entire Officer building. Officer Rex whoa, Engelbert. Whoa, whoa, okay. Ah, well, I mean, we can watch this. This episode didn't run that long. And I can play this on, uh, well, I guess I can't speed it up. But, you know what? Let's uh, finish with the article, and then we can... Watch that video, okay? According to the National Police Association, MNPD claimed that a criminal investigation was underway, but the director of the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations disclosed publicly at least twice there is no ongoing criminal investigation. Again, that ties into I, there has to be some element at the top. I, I, I assume maybe the governor was playing a role into it, but that was from me clearly misunderstanding something I was reading. However... It's interesting that there is, uh, at basically the state FBI level, nothing. They no interest in looking into this. Hmm. Likely because Hale herself has been killed. On April 5th, which addressed, uh, which addressed on a April 5th, which addressed, that's a weird setup, a meeting of the Tennessee Sheriff's Association, Tennessee Bureau of Investigation Director David Rush, that had disclosed it had already been established from the shooter's writings recovered that the shooter acted alone. <clears throat> Again, on April 14th, a video interview with PIJN News was published in which Tennessee Bureau of Investigation Director David Rush was asked, quote, what are the next steps since there will be no trial because the shooter is dead? Rush had responded, quote, unfortunately, you're right. This is, this is it. The individual responsible is no longer with us. On April 27th, it was reported MNPD will release the shooter's writings in some form. See, that's what I mean. Like, I'm concerned it's going to be edited as hell. They're going to fuck with it. It's going to be like a good B thread for the Jannies to get a hold of it. Just gutted. Nothing of substance left. And in some form, at some point, the report change in posture by MNPD did not address the NPA's request for MNPD's communications, nor did it indicate any intent... Any intent to fully comply with the complete release of all of the shooter's writings, nor did it indicate an intent to conform to a timeline according to the release. The NPA believes releasing the complete materials will benefit law enforcement and the public. Yeah, because context matters. The NPA said, Writings of a killer often... Critical ins are often critical insights into the factors that contributed to the development of criminal behavior. The communications between MNPD and influencers, ooh, influencers, 
who may have caused the MNPD not to honor the FOIA or FOIA, Freedom of Inf- the Freedom of Information Act. Statue will provide guidance forward on how other departments can plan and prevent similar interference. Scroll down here. This is the comment just saying. Uh, Artfia says it should be released. Agreed. Uh, BCP one three one nine three eight two B says they usually claim there's a manifesto but rarely release it. I won't believe it until I until I see and it has been verified by a writing expert by writing experts by a writing experts buddy. How about you? Fucking come on, man! Until it has been verified by a writing experts. Hmm. Pluralizing in a singular sentence structure. Okay. An old geezer says NPD are being sued for not releasing information. Their claim is that they aren't releasing it because of the lawsuits is nonsensical. The only possible legitimate excuse is that it is evidence to uh, it's evidence to be used to charge a second party, such as someone inciting the perpetrator, ooh, or knowingly assisting them. Uh, William 090 says, trying to dress it up to look like a Trump-supporting Republican wrote it before they released it. Yeah, that's not, that's not an impossibility. It's the, uh, it's the dude from Mr. Beast. Hopefully that person stays away from, uh, Nashville schools. Why publish the rantings of a cold-blooded killer? It may inspire others to act. Some things are better left alone. False. This is that, this is that, once the way you think of the children 90s mentality that's never, ever proven itself to be fucking accurate. It's absolute bullshit. We need to understand why these people think the way they do and how they think the way they do and find out why there are so many interests. And even if not, right, we need to find out why there's so many interests in a government level to not release this to the point where these police are knowingly ignoring a Freedom of Information Act request that they had already approved. So there's a lot more here to be here. Saturday, uh, Saturday p.m. I, I, I think you're shilling at the wrong tree here. Oh, uh, well, that's interesting. It says, good. The people have the right to know why the girl went nuts. And Casey Roman says, I wonder why they won't release eye roll. Yeah. Now let's watch this video up here, and then we'll wrap up this video. There's a four-year veteran of this police department. He is assigned to the central or downtown precinct and, as you have seen from his body camera footage, was among the first officers to enter the Covenant building. Officer Rex Engelbert. I was working in a regular uh, duty capacity that day. Uh, I want to start by obviously saying my deepest concern. Condolences to the family, the six lives lost on the 27th of this month. Uh, I'm going to do my best to relay my rendition of, of, of my day. Uh, it's a regular work day for me. Uh, for some reason, I was feeling tired. Uh, I'm a proactive unit. I work for the Central B-Detail bike team. Uh, I guess I hadn't finished my coffee and I wanted to complete some administrative tasks. So 
I wanted to go to the uh, Metro Police Academy. I had some business to attend to there and uh, en route there that put me in the uh, Midtown sector. So I really had no business being where I was. Uh, I think you can call it fate or God or whatever you want, but uh, there, I can't count on both my hands the irregularities that put me in that position when a call for service came out for an act of deadly aggression at a, a school. I immediately uh, turned on my lights and sirens, knowing the severity of such a call. Like Sardin said, it demands ample resources in which I was available. Like I said, I was tending to myself. Uh, I've been to, I don't know how many false active deadly aggression calls. Something told me it was, uh, it was time to, to really get to this one. I, I treat them all the same, but I, uh, I was driving as safely as I could get my, my body there. Uh, I, d I don't know the area. I needed to put it in GPS. When I arrived, I, I don't know the layout of the school. Uh, luckily, due to the bravery of two staff members, they stayed on scene. They didn't run. And they gave me concise, clear uh, information for me to use to help uh, anyone in danger. Gentleman gave me like you said, the exact key I needed to enter the building. Uh, it was readily apparent uh, I was I was going to be the one to make entry, and I, I've been given my training. I, I know my role, and uh, I made entry with, with the personnel I had, and luckily I had some. I saw there were patrol units, and I, I asked for people to join me as I had a key. I wasn't aware of there were any other access points other than the one I had. As the sergeant said, I did not have stimulus at the time. I was intently listening, so we cleared uh, the hallway we had room by room uh, until we made it to the lobby. Uh, I, like he says, I don't work with anyone uh, that was there that day, so we had to use plain speak to understand each other's roles, what we had to do. When I did hear stimulus, I, I couldn't get to it fast enough. I just looked for a, the nearest sta staircase I could find because I could tell it was above my head. Uh, eventually, following the, uh, the uh, guidance of other officers, I uh, luckily deployed my, uh, my rifle. Kept walking towards the gun, sound of gunfire. Uh, there was, like Sergeant said, some smoke in the air. Uh, it was uh, very, uh, very similar to the training we receive, the, the stress inoculus that our training academy uh, had exposed me to before this incident. 
definitely wish I had uh, also deployed my uh, rifle caliber rated heavy plates when I uh, found myself at the front of the stack uh, where I found uh, the, the stimulus of the threat the second floor of the school. Uh, like Sergeant said, work wasn't over. Uh, we, we, we didn't know if there was another threat. Immediately took teammates I, I am not used to working with to start clearing rooms, uh, escorting children and teachers along. There were uh, more personnel and resources at this point. I was able to guide them out, uh, basically uh, similar to the way I had came in. And uh, just tried coordinating best with uh, supervisors and uh, fire personnel until I was uh, relieved of uh, duty on that scene. I was told to, to sit in my car. And that was uh, pretty difficult because I could tell there was more work to be done. Um, that's, that's about the day that I had on the 27th. All right. So that's some interesting context to have. That being said, that kind of brings us to the end of this episode of Inside Four Walls. Will they release it? Will come these lawsuits? We don't know, but we will be here to give an update. That being said, this has been Inside Four Walls. I'm your host, James Madison, and I shall catch you guys later. Top news right now. The nationwide boycott of Bud Light continues to gain momentum, with LGBTQ plus bars in Chicago joining forces in solidarity. Meanwhile, Anheuser-Busch CEO Carlos Brito is shifting the blame for the controversy, citing misinformation and confusion on social media as the root of the problem. Instead of owning up to the company's misguided partnership with TikTok trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney, the CEO deflects blame by addressing rumors of a production can with Mulvaney's image. As Bud Light sales plummet and rival brands experience a surge in sales, only time will tell if the brewing giant can restore its tarnished reputation. Follow Next News for more breaking news. So this is working. All right, well, look, look. Anheuser-Busch. Oh, my God. Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch. Oh, that's Coors Light? <laughs> yeah, not Anheuser-Busch. And that? Oh, my God. Yep. Well, here it is. <laughs> hey, welcome back to Inside Four Walls. I'm your host, James Madison, and this is the Bud Light Update. We got two articles to get into, and uh, let's start. Trump on Bud Light controversy. Money does talk. Anheuser-Busch now understands that. And the other article is right here, because we've been talking about this for a minute, but now more outlets are starting to talk about it. Chicago gay bars boycott Anheuser-Busch as Brewer shuns Dylan Mulvaney. Got a lot to get into. I actually went up to Speedway and ended up having a conversation with one of the clerks there. Because I bought some, uh, so I picked up some Yingling. Just to have some beer. And I made a little offhand comment about, I was like, I noticed your uh, cooler is filled with Bud Light. You guys sell much these days? You know, I'm just kind of curious because I plan on putting it in the podcast, whatever his answer is. And without answering my question, he goes, it's so fucking stupid. I'm stunned. I'm like, what? He's like, it, he's not hurting anyone. I'm like, who? He goes, and he like kind of freezes for that. He goes, I mean, she. 
and it fucking dawned on me. I was like, no. And it's just kind of, he, he looks like Rhett from Rhett and Link. It's just this greasy, black-haired, spectacle-bedonned gentleman. Five o'clock, gray, salt and pepper shadow. Weighs about a buck twenty-five wet. Probably about five, seven, five, eight. Around there, about my height. About five, eight, so I'll say around five, eight. And I, I, you know, I'm just kind of like, all right. You know, it, what's funny is I'm wearing an FJB chain. You know, I, I'm involved in local politics, so I like to show up and have some goof goof and gab on, on the local political scene. And he, like, sees my necklace, and he's like, he starts to make comments about it. I'm like, all right, man, well, you know, whatever. Kind of just sounds like you're defending a multi-billion dollar company. He goes, no, I'm not. It's like, I don't know, it sounds like you are. You're here complaining about people boycotting Bud Light. Meanwhile, they're a multi-billion dollar company. So it sounds like you're defending the big guy. This is great. You should be celebrating. Local and small independent brewers are going to get a big boom in industry from this because more and more people are going to be looking for different beers to be drinking, and that's going to send them right to the laps of independent brewers. This is great for the local economy. He goes, no, this is terrible. It just shows how narrow-minded America is. I was like, is that why you're upset? You, you you realize there's a lot of issues with what Dylan Mulvaney was doing, right? Like, Bud Light deserves everything that's happening to them. He goes, no, they don't. I was like, yes, they do. I was like, even if you don't have an issue with the trans thing, even, even if you don't have an issue with the trans thing, Dylan Mulvaney's audience is predominantly kids. Little kids and tweens. Dylan Mulvaney is promoting smoking, drinking, and on other occasions, gambling to children. And two behind the counter kind of like look like, oh, shit. It was just this moment of like, oh, wow. Yeah, well, parents should be watching their kids. Absolutely, I fully agree. But we also shouldn't be promoting mental illness to children. Sorry, I got a, uh, got a phone call and lost my train of thought. Anyway, wherever I was. Pretty much you guys just got mad. They tried to turn the conversation into a... a you know, a, a conversation about... Oh, yeah! He said people should be, uh... You know, parents should be watching what their kids watch, and if their parents have, if their parents have a problem with it, they shouldn't be allowing their kids to watch. I'm like, absolutely. And if people have a problem with... And if people have a problem with a alcohol company promoting mental illness and politics, then they shouldn't be drinking and buying their beer. And kind of, like, froze up, like, he stiffened up and, like, looked behind me. And a lady got in line behind me, and he clearly got uncomfortable in the moment of the conversation. And I chuckled, like, ah, really, uh, confident in sharing your political views until a woman comes around, right? Anyway, you have a great night. And I pat the counter, walked out. Thought it was kind of funny. Honestly, it's, like, the only real conversation I've had. Like, I've cracked jokes with people about, about like, the Bud Light thing, you know. Main joke I've been telling is... You know what's really weird about Bud Light trucks? They're the only ones that want to be rear-ended. I'm telling that joke. You know, most I haven't really got anybody to give me a dirty look about it. That was the only person who gave me any actual uh, shit about what was going on. Oh, what's this video right here? Bud Light stand here at Fenway Park. Guys, this is so funny and bizarre. Look at that. That is the Bud Light. That is every single Bud Light stand here at Fenway Park in Boston. Wow. Right? We're at the Red Sox game. Completely empty. That's, no one that's cares. That's what the Bud Light cans. No customers. Holy crap. They're in trouble. I 
being here. I guess marketing has some questions to answer. Yeah. A lot of people are saying that this is an extinction level event for Bud Light. A lot of marketing experts. Donald Trump made a brief mention of the recent Bud Light controversy after staying silent for weeks. Appearance suggested the beer giant Anheuser-Busch has learned a lesson the hard way. Quote, money does talk. Anheuser-Busch now understands that. Trump wrote on True Social, the social media app he created in October 2021 after he was suspended from Twitter. The post went on to promote the great patriot the Great Patriot, a book by Wainalyn, uh, Wainalyn Root, that promotes the great conservative companies to buy from and invest in, and ways to defund leftist woke companies. Quote, It's time to beat the radical left at their own game, Trump wrote. Uh, Trump also wrote in a post. The comments from the former president came after his son, Donald Trump Jr., had called for an end to the boycott via video, via platform Rumble on April 14th. Yeah, and I mocked him for it. Because it was such a whiny, little, simping, pussy thing. And I don't care character for Don Jr. to be like completely, you know, honest. This company did a big oopsie-whoopsie that flies in the face of everything the conservative slash the right is supposed to believe. I say supposed to with air quotes around it. Anyway. And but and Don Jr. is like, oh, well, they, you know, they donate massive sums of money to the GOP. Everyone should stop the boycott. Otherwise, we'll lose a donor. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no. Stand on principle. Stand on principle and hold their feet to the fucking fire. And if you're going to sell it for money, then fuck you forever. And the boycott seems to actually be the most successful boycott I've ever seen the right put on. And I'm fucking stunned by it. Quote, We looked into the political giving and lobbying history of Anheuser-Busch, and guess what? They actually support Republicans, said the former first son. Last cycle, their employees and their PAC gave about 60% to Republicans and 40% to Democrats, Trump Jr. added. That's literally almost unheard of in corporate America. Where it's really easy to go woke where they do so consistently. Where there's a consequence to actually being conservative. So 60-40 to the conservative side is kind of a big deal. I don't care how you justify it to yourself to help you cope at night. It's bullshit. Fuck off. Right here. Since transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney posted a custom Bud Light can with his face on it to Instagram... Anheuser-Busch has been at the center of a culture war. Now, gay bars are also boycotting Anheuser-Busch for its seemingly phony support of Mulvaney and the LGBTQ plus community after CEO Michael uh, Dorskis, Fed by the way, comments last week that Mulvaney post uh, that Mulvaney's post was quote not a formal campaign, and it wasn't. Uh, these cans were sent to Mulvaney as like a celebration. The higher ups don't really weren't really informed about it. It was like a sales team thing. The sales team apparently was all woke, and it was done through a third party company. Like Bud Light really had very little to do with this. It was just the one sales lead and his vice president, who's that Heiner shit lady. They didn't promote this on any of their main social media. This was on their YouTube. This wasn't like a advertised deal they were doing. 
This was just a one-off thing they sent to Dil Mulvaney. Dil Mulvaney's vanity got in the way, and Dil Mulvaney posted a whole thing on social media about how great and how phenomenal and how wonderful it was, and that's where it went from there. This wasn't meant to be advertising, and this wasn't ever going to be sold in stores. But, uh, you know, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm very amused by it, because I had made fun of the Dylan Mulvaney thing for a long time. But, holy shit. I wasn't expecting this response when Dylan Mulvaney was introduced to the mainstream public. But let's continue. During, uh, during an, an earnings call, he went on to explain to investors that, quote, disinformation was spread following Mulvaney's post, which featured a custom can that was never actually for public sale. I kind of want one of these cans now. I'm not going to lie. As early as May, Bud Light saw a sales plunge of 21% compared to the same weeks in 2022. Meanwhile, the number of beer cases sold, whether in packs of 12, 18, 20, or 24 cans, plummeted 26% the same week, according to the Nielsen IQ. The data revealed the biggest drop since the controversy kicked off when sales only dropped by 6% and volumes initially fell 11%. Here's the thing. We don't have numbers for the sales market, but they're going to be released within a week, I believe. Uh, these first comments right here. Walter Rush says... Uh, PR disaster, good going, Anheuser-Busch. Let this be a lesson to other companies. Stick to selling your products. Stop talking, taking political stands on highly charged issues. And all this before Pride Month. So I'm really curious if this will impact Pride Month at all because a lot of companies are kind of nervous to go about it. Because Miller does do the gay pride thing. So I wonder if Miller will do the gay pride thing this year. They might not. They might be like, (sighs) we'll see. What if this is like the death knell for Gay Pride Month for a lot of companies? Like this year after year, less and less companies do. Because over the last like two years, it really felt less important, Pride Month. And uh, a lot of the gay community was getting more and more aggressive about it anyway, so perhaps this should happen. Perhaps it needs to be a death knell. Anyway, moving on. And after Bush as well, might as well just kill off Bud Light first. They alienated God-fearing conservatives. Next, they alienated the alphabet people and those that don't know slash care about what's going on to be called out by either or both sides at once. The tainted brew touches their lips. Bars won't, uh, bars won't, uh, won't, don't want to stock something that leads to bar fights. Only hope now is people buying uh, what remains as collector's items. Real men and real women may have the last laugh this round. Uh, no shit. James Core says, Real uh, uh, Red Monsoon, you are correct. Why would a bar or a restaurant serve something that could cause intoxicated patrons to start arguing politics? For entertainment purposes. Could be at the end of the Bud Light brand. Could be the end of the Bud Light brand well, as what we're seeing. Uh, Steven Eckert says, The Born On date is now Night of the Living Dead date. Yeah, isn't that the fucking case? And Ed, Ed Statestrid says, apparently beer was the line drawn in the sand. Now let's do the same thing with all leftist controlled lawless areas. Stop living there, working there, or visiting or vacationing there. Good law abiding people shouldn't help fund this criminal waste, these criminal wastelands. You should say these, not this criminal wasteland, but fair, absolutely. Base comments all around. 
funny as hell. And we have the new ad right here. Train a bunch of fucking yuppies getting caught in the rain. Like, this is retarded. Look at this ad. Because I know when I'm in, you know, at whatever event this is, and it starts, you know, pouring hard as hell, I, my eye for thought is, I better meet up with my friends and drink a cold beer in the fucking rain, not I better, you know, get to shelter, and then maybe I'll have a beer, you know, when I'm out of the rain. Yeah, no, let's just stop and chill in the rain, young folk. This song always you think of, like, some fucking church function. Dopey fucking dinksters. Uh, it's trying to do like a country festival thing. Yeah, nah, blow it around your ass, homie. So, Chicago gay bars boycott Anheuser-Busch as brewer shuns Dylan Mulvaney. That's right. Anheuser-Busch came out and said, We don't like Dylan. We don't support Dylan. We regret this. Still an apology, though. Anything besides an apology. May 7th. 2023 by Isabel Kane. Here's, here's mud in their eyes. Five Chicago gay bars are boycotting Anheuser-Busch for distancing itself from transgender uh, social media star Dylan Mulvaney after his April 1st collaboration with, uh, or collaboration drew conservatives ire and calls for Bud Light boycotts. Sidetrack Bar in Chicago, Lake, uh, Lakeview Neighborhood, shared its boycott plan on Instagram, noting the brewers' moves, quote, strongly bringing to question their support for the LGBTQ plus community. Quote, for 41 years, Sidetrack has encouraged liquor and beer companies to have, <laughs> to have, uh, that have wished to garner a LGBTQ plus customer base, because nothing goes hand in hand quite like mental instability and illness and alcohol, right? Nothing like a transgender population with already, like, one of the highest suicide rates of any population on the planet. Give them alcohol, a depressant, because why not? Okay. Uh, customer base actively support our bar community. The bar statement read, quote, Bud Light's recent decision to drop Mul Dylan Mulvaney's campaign. It was never a campaign. That's the real crazy thing about it. The rights man, for a series of reasons, one, because this was seen as Bud Light, the uh, American beer company, uh, uh, proving a ideology that flies in the face of both God and basic biology. And on top of that, you also have, you know, like my issues, which are those issues on top of the whole advertising alcohol and these other bad habits, including mental illness to children. That was the rights issue. Ray had a lot of actual issues. These bars... And a lot of these other left-running establishments all across the country we've talked about before on this topic are boycotting because they think they're stopping and halting the campaign. There was no campaign. There was a one-off set of six cans sold, given to Dylan Mulvaney as a gift, celebrating 365 days of womanhood. There was no campaign. This was not a sales thing. Oh, this is phenomenal. They don't even know why they're mad. They're just mad that they're not able to buy this store or this Canon stores anymore. Fuck off. A campaign to pull to put on leave those who created it as well 
as the statement by its CEO wrongfully validates the position that it's accountable to <clears throat> acquaintances uh, to acquiesce to the demands of those who do not support the trans community and wish to erase the LGBTQ plus visibility, it said. Absolutely, I wish they were that base, but they're not. So here's the thing about it. You're right. Anheuser-Busch, top brass, laid off the vice president, the sales, uh, the head of sales, the CEO of, of uh, Bud Light, uh, laid off the distri- fired the distribution team. Well, really put everyone on leave. It didn't fire anyone. It put everybody on fucking leave. So to say they were fired is a little disingenuous at best. The popular TikTok influencer and actor has over 10 million followers. And yet I'm rocking at maybe an accumulation of about 1,200 across all my platforms. The bar said its Anheuser-Busch boycott would continue until the brewer can clearly demonstrate that they will will not acquiesce to the voices of hate that wish to erase LGBTQ existence. Really? Because it seems like the LGBTQ community is killing itself. It's like saying, we want to stop black young black men from dying. All right, well, you better stop young black people from killing young black people, because that seems to be the predominant death, predominant cause of death in young black people. Is, uh, <laughs> fuck, other black people. Wild. Just like the main cause of death in the trans community is trans people. Kind of wild, but typically it's a suicide. Same thing with gays and, and bi's and all these other groups. Well, STDs also play a major factor into it. So, and also, you gotta appreciate them saying, you better not acquiesce to them. You better acquiesce to us. Right. Because they're the crazy ones making demands when you're literally demanding that no one else give it in to anyone else's demands other than your own. Kind of like Whoopi Goldberg told Anheuser-Busch, oh, you think you need to fear them? Wait till you have to fear us. She really said that, by the way. Kind of wild. Right here. I like all that goofiness. Two Bears Tavern Group, which owns four bars in Chicago, also announced their establishments would no longer serve Anheuser-Busch products because of the brewer's anti-transgender actions and statements. You'd think they were fucking Chick-fil-A or something. In its announcement on Instagram, the group dragged the statement offered by Anheuser-Busch CEO Brendan Whitworth amid the controversy. Again, another fed. Well, here's the thing. These cans, the fact that Bud Light, at any level, was willing to put a man on the can and call that man a woman, shows you that they are not transphobic. If anything, they're willing to play along with this little fucking bullshit charade. Here's the thing. Trans people don't exist. You can't... You, In order to say, call somebody trans, you are addressing... You are admitting that there is some possibility for you to change your biological sex from whatever you were born as to the opposite sex. So if you were born a male... To call somebody transgender would imply that you can go from male to female or female to male, which you can't. If you're born a male, you die a male. If you're born a female, you die a female. If you were born a male, you will never have eggs. You will always have a prostate. You will always have sperm. You will never dilate or menstruate. If you are a biological woman, you will never have a functioning penis. You will never have a prostate. You will never get a woman pregnant. You will never properly be a male. The bone structures will never be right. The skeletal structures will never be right. The ves- the muscular and vascular system will never be right. None of it will ever be right. So it's just, Anheuser-Busch was saying with these cans, we don't believe in science. We affirm your political make-believe. 
And that's all it is. It's a culture war and a political statement. Then again, what is in these days? Quote, It's CEO statement in which he all but erases transgender people in favor of anti-trans vitriol, whose cruel and hurtful CEO Brendan Whitworth excuse... Uh, excuses that Anheuser-Busch, quote, never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people was tantamount to saying that the rights and safety of transgender people are topics worthy of debate. Well, they are, because transgender people have no special rights afforded to any other person in this country. Transgender people do not deserve and will not have any special rights. Fortunately, they kind of already do. But they're not special. They don't deserve to be treated any differently than anyone else. So you're right. The, the rights and safety of transgender people are up for it. Because trans rights, as you want to call and argue for them, are just the same basic rights given to heterosexual people, veterans, gay couples, straight couples. It's just the basic freedoms and rights that our government is you, you know, routinely stripping away from everybody unanimously regardless of what their background is or who they fuck. So moving on. Clearly, I'm an establishment player. Quote, They are not, the group declared. Bush uh, distributors, or, uh, yep, distributors, around the U.S. have been feeling the fallout, with many bars in more conservative states now refusing the stock Bud Light. The $132 billion beer company marketing value plummet by some $5 billion since the campaign was launched April 1st. The company had previously defended its decision to hire Mulvaney before its CEO caved to intense or increased conservatives offering a flat apology. It wasn't really an apology. Saying, quote, we're in the business of bringing people together over a beer. It's unclear whether any New York City bars have also decided to boycott Anheuser-Busch, but in 2021, the famed Stonewall Inn poured Bud Light down its drains in response to the brand's owner donating thousands of dollars to conservative lawmakers who backed anti-transgender legislation, according to Reuters. Mm, good. And you know what? I hope Bud Light is forced to take a political stance. Because here's the thing. If they take a political stance in favor of the conservatives, the conservatives will not forgive them. They won't care. It will be seen as just the uh, last-minute Hail Mary that it, that it ultimately fucking is. And for the left, the left never forgive. They are just vicious little zombies. They can't forgive anything. So, Bud Light has just fucked itself. This will be Bud Light's fucking death knell. I guarantee goddamn it. That being said, this has been Inside Four Walls. Let me know what you think in the description below. And until next time, I'll talk to you later. Deuce. Hi, Dylan. Just wanted to let you know that your friends from the cast of the Book of Mormon love and support you, are so proud of you. And for Anheuser-Busch, we are really proud of you for making an American superstar in your can. Love ya! This bud's for you. Work hard, play hard, work hard, play hard, work hard, play hard.